five, four, three, two, one. Lift off of the Falcon 9. Hi, I'm Mark Boucher, and this is the Space Q Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Don't Let Go Canada Coalition. For 60 years, Canada has been a space leader. We help build the International Space Station and land astronauts on the moon. Back on Earth, we leverage our space capabilities every day to push boundaries in medicine, communications, and environmental monitoring. The clear vision and commitment of previous governments helped drive this forward, but now our country faces a decision point and we need to act. Please visit don'tletgocanada.ca and join the campaign to help us keep innovation, jobs, and our best and brightest in Canada. The universe needs more Canada. Don't let go, Canada. My guests today are Zed Reyna and Chantal Dubois of the Space Generation Advisory Council. We'll be discussing what the SGAC is, what it does for students and young professionals globally, and what the organization is planning in Canada. Welcome, Zed and Chantal, to the SpaceQ podcast. It's good to be here. Um, can you, one of you, describe what the Space Generation Advisory Council is and how it was started? Yeah, so the Space Generation Advisory Council um, today is an organization that kind of seeks to empower and unite the youth, uh, so that's um, young professionals and students between the age of 18 and 35, in professional development, networking, and advocacy in international space. Um, SJSU was founded in 1999. It was the result of Unispace 3, and it was kind of a... Um, a mandate from that to kind of infuse more youth perspective at UN Cobos. Okay, and we'll start with you again, Chantal. How did you get involved and, and what is your involvement now? Sure, so I first got involved in 2014. So one of my good friends was actually on the planning committee of the Space Generation Congress, which is the SJC's flagship annual event. And he convinced me to attend when it was being hosted in Toronto. So that was uh, right before the ISC in Toronto as well. And so he convinced me to go. And I went and it was such a positive experience meeting other young people and students and being able to connect with the international space sector. So that was in 2014. And then kind of between then and now, um, I've done everything from I interned at the headquarters in Vienna. Um, and most recently, I was the manager of one of their events called the Space Generation Fusion Forum, which is held in Colorado. Uh, it's an affiliate event of Space Symposium. And right now, I don't have an active title, but I have been uh, collaborating with Zed on his efforts in Canada. Okay. And Zed, what about, your, what about yourself? How did you get involved and, and what's your involvement now? Right. So um, I was pretty fortunate 
last year to be uh, one of the recipients from CSA's Student Participation Initiative uh, grant for the IEC uh, 2017. So this was in Adelaide, Australia. Um, and as part of the grant, I also had the ability to go to and attend the Space Generation Congress. And that um, completely captivated me and mostly because of its ability to how it connected different young uh, professionals and students into diff different working groups. And it brought me to be challenged in a discipline that I was never exposed to before, which was space law and space policy. And from there, moving forward, I kept in touch and obviously my interest to being um, involved with international organization that um, has strong ties with the international space community, but also has an ability for the youth. So for example, for me to be relatable and to have an impact is what kept me um, going into wanting to get involved. And now I'm currently the national point of contact for Canada with the SGAC. And starting um, with Chantal, uh, sort of an effort to reinvigorate the uh, SGAC activity here in Canada and to try to mobilize and find a platform for advocacy, especially from the youth, um, considering uh, the current climate, especially now that we're talking a lot about um, the status of the Canadian space program, and we, we keep we've been hearing about a space strategy as well. So all these thematic points are very relevant. I think the youth has a, a very important um, role and a capacity to be involved. Now, how many people are involved in the SGAC uh, internationally and in Canada? Um, so internationally, we have in over 100 countries. And over the last count, it's actually on your website. Hang on, let me double check. But there's like definitely at least 4,000 members from around the world that are active and eligible to be members um, at any given time. And in Canada, do you have an idea? Zed might be better at Yeah. In, in Canada, there's, uh, I would say, you know, there's a couple of dozens of people, roughly maybe 30 or so, quite active that, or have been active and, and being in various positions across SGC, including uh, being uh, the uh, part of part of one of the co-chair, um, Alin Seri, and now he's uh, stepped down and is part of the advisory board of SGAC. But in terms of uh, membership, I, I that kind of number is not um, particularly high. I would I would consider that to be even below um, below a hundred. Um, you know, in terms of members, generally speaking, but but active members, uh, it's it's quite low figure, and that's certainly something that's um, uh, in part might be due to some lack of activity in the past few years, um, just in Canada for for SGC. So so that's definitely a trend that we hope to reverse. Um, but but yeah, internationally, I think um, just like Chantal mentioned, it's it's a much more uh, it's much more active. Um, certain, it's much more active in the United States, for example, in comparison to here. Uh, many more events as well in in, in the U.S. Chantal mentioned she man she managed the Space Generation Fusion Forum, and there's also a separate um, SGX event which is held in Washington D.C. I believe. Um, but but yes, that's the kind of number we're looking at in Canada. It's it's not too too big of a number right now. And what's the age range for the SGAC? 
So, so that is a it, it's kind of catered specifically for uh, members between 18 to age of 35, including students and young professionals. Um, so that's the age range. And um, uh, as an international organization, uh, how is it funded? And, and do you have any idea how many people are actually working within uh, the organization? So. SJC receives funding through a couple of different mechanisms um, for events. Usually it's through sponsorship from, you know, aerospace companies or other organizations um, and sometimes national agencies. Um, and we also just have kind of like an ongoing operation budget that is supported in other ways. Um, there's one paid employee in the organization. That's the executive director, uh, Clementine de um, and our headquarters is in Vienna. So, but otherwise, it's all long-term run. So I think at any given time, there's about 100 titles that are active around the world. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. So um, now there's a lot of different organizations in Canada that students and young professionals can join. Um, why, why should they be interested in joining the SGAC? Um. I, I think I can add part of an answer, and then uh, I would love to hear uh, Chantal kind of elaborate on that part. Um, for for me, especially when I got this first exposure last year, uh, it was also my first exposure not just to an international big conference, which is coming up the IEC, but before that, um, it's really the exposure you have from putting into to get putting together a network of individuals with a diverse background. Um, but also some, a group of individuals that are very involved in sharing um, the common objective of, uh, in some shape or form, contributing to the advancement of space exploration and doing so in a manner that's international and more community driven rather than um, it per you know country basis or per base, basis of nation. Uh, I think the collective kind of thought behind the objectives and how um, the exposure you have to different members across the industry, but also across the government and academia is something that's quite unique to SJC. In fact, even um, the the flagship Space Generation Congress, when you're split up in these working groups uh, and you over the course of three days, you're doing and engaging in a subject matter and you have subject matter experts that are present and moderators and you produce a report which does eventually get presented um, at a high level forum like the UN COPUS. Um, so there's this element of um, it, it broadens your perspective of what space uh, endeavor really is at an international level and it uh, truly I think shines a spotlight on the um, collaborative and cooperative aspect of uh, space exploration. So for me, I think that's that's one distinct feature, whereas in Canada, sure, there's many ways to be engaged and many platforms to utilize. And it's always, in fact, I wouldn't say to utilize one platform, there's ways to be leveraging multiple, uh, but, but kind of from having a more broadened international spin, I think that's where the SJC is key um, and it leverages connections really well um, internationally and it expands your point of view as well. All right. Now, um, 
you've explained uh, why Canadians should be uh, interested in the SGAC. You know, one of the things I've noticed uh, in the last few years is that there seems to be more involvement by students and young professionals uh, in Canada's uh, space sector. Um, I, both of you, if you wanted to chime in, your thoughts as to why is that? I I would say definitely in, in Canada in particular, there's couple of points that comes to my mind. The first one is the inception of the Canadian Satellite Design Challenge, which, um, you know, considerably started with uh, few, few, fewer universities than today, but it certainly did have, um, in, in at, at the time, it's it captured a couple of individuals across different universities, but not too many. And from there, it leveled up more and more, and it built to over a dozen universities, which uh, participated in the previous iteration and now the new iterations that it kickstarting and that um, competition had more than just building a satellite and, and going through a series of environmental testing. It also had a strong outreach component to that. Um, and from that kind of, I think there's a, there's parity where teams not only have to engage in technical challenges, but they also had to find ways to um, get, uh, get out and engage their public, engage their local community, high school, uh, primary schools, including as well as museums and other places. Um, and from there, I think, you know, from CGC's perspectives, each year it got bigger and bigger, more teams got into it. Um, and of course, some of the more experienced teams um, had made uh, a bit of a name for themselves. So there's, um, I'm, I'm guessing, but I've also known that especially for the for the past two iterations, especially that there's been some level or in some degree of collaboration um, but with that kind of growth, we've also seen a growth in the ability of members to also uh, do more outreach, connect more to the audience um, that is within either their vicinity, local community, et cetera. Um, so that's one uh, potential aspect. The other one is definitely uh, so the uh, the um, complementary challenge to the satellite or spacecraft building is rocketry. Now, although um, there's no specific Canadian rocketry challenge at the moment, um, the IRIC challenge now called Spaceport America Cup um, has engaged for the most part a couple of Canadian teams and they've been very successful. Uh, now, from their side, uh, the uh, to my knowledge, I don't think uh, the IREC or Space for America Cup has any specific outreach mandate that's part of the competition. But because the teams are um, guided or dictated by uh, what regulations are in place right now here in Canada, that also dictates their ability to compete in different kind of categories for the competition. So um, if you were to make or if you were to integrate some kind of motor that's um, you know, that's not feasible to test here in Canada, then you obviously are not participating in that said specific category. So I think from from rocketry's perspective and also the lack of infrastructure. So when you kind of compare that to CSTC, which, you know, obviously has the David uh, Florida Laboratory, but it also has Triumph and other facilities to engage students in that process of building and designing and manufacturing your satellite. But for rocketry teams, they, they really didn't have any infrastructure in Canada to, you know, test their motors adequately or um, run other series of uh, flight tests, which would otherwise 
you know, engage them way more to interact with local, whether it's companies, whether it's nonprofits or other organizations. So because there's none of that infrastructure built here, I see that Rakshi individuals and university teams have gone more into the um, advocacy side as a result of the fact that there's something lacking um, for them to be able to do something successfully. Now, they have seen a great amount of success um, at competition. In fact, the most recent iteration has seen um, universities such as uh, Polytechnic, Concordia University, McGill University, um, uh, University of Waterloo, uh, winning top prizes in multiple categories. So uh, it does bring interesting contrast in their ability to do so much with limited resources. But it also, I think, um, it's in stark uh, kind of um, when you contrast that with what they have, the resources they have. I'm not surprised that they there's some movement that initiated with the uh, Canadian Rockji Consortium, for example, which was student-led um, and an inner uh, university uh, endeavor, which sought to kind of rally individual universities and identify our wants and needs. So that's the first two. These are the first two competitions that comes to my mind that could have propagated the students to be more engaged and to leverage more and more. Um, and then another thing that I think is also equally interesting is that um, there's a bit of a domino effect where um, one uh, batch of university team, now when they've participated in a competition, um, obviously they graduate and they move on, but the next so to speak, generation or the next um, tier of team members that, that pick up and already getting ready to, to take part in the next iteration of the competition, they are giving some level of here's what we did in the past. Now here's what we're going to do better. And that aspect of doing something better, doing something more than what was previously done um, gives them both a platform to uh, gauge themselves with. Um, but it also serves as a metric for them to push even more. And I think that uh, by in doing so, it you kind of get interesting results. And one of them is definitely when you, you're pushing more and more to, uh, in terms of technical difficulty or the kind of ambition your team is driving for. Um, it, it does bring out an aspect of, well, if you want to do this, we need to be capable of having XYZ items to do it. Um, so I would say these are the primary areas where students um, have started to be more engaged with space. Um, but it certainly helps that it was done in a manner that's not just one pocket in Canada. It's really specifically, um, you know, something kickstarted. It was something very small, fairly initially, but having more and more participation over the years shows that there's um, some degree of influence where if you bring opportunities, you will have people that will rise up. And in, in our case, in fact, I think both CSGC and Spaceport America Cup have done more than just make students rise up. They've gone far beyond the standards of just participating in competitions. So that's my take on on that. Uh, maybe Shantel can add more of it to, to yeah. that. Uh, yeah, I guess for me, I think that one is that space is more mainstream now. Um, certainly, it's more in vogue now than it was like a decade ago. And I think there's a lot of people excited about it. You know, I think especially with SpaceX and the new Lunar Gateway and kind of all this activity going on, um, young people are a lot more interested in careers in space and it's just more exciting. I think accessibility is another thing. Um, 
working in the space industry is a little bit more accessible now than it was before. So in a sense where students have these opportunities to engage in CSCC or Space for America um, and work on these projects. As well as I think space is kind of being advertised as more multidisciplinary. So not everyone is into science and engineering. There's a lot of people who are, you know, into humanities or law or kind of the other side of things. And there's a lot more awareness of those opportunities in the space sector. And I think that's also having an influence on how young people are perceiving kind of the cool factor of space. Um, and finally, I think, you know, Canadian students kind of, I think, make their own opportunities. So when there's not a lot going on here, they're going to find ways to kind of like cultivate that community and create those opportunities. So we have says Canada, for example, that they do the, um, the microgravity experiments and the balloon stuff. And, you know, they're creating those, those opportunities because they didn't exist before in Canada. So I think that's kind of motivating a lot of students, young people to kind of be more involved, especially when we kind of see down south where there's a lot more activity going on. Um, it kind of motivates us more to kind of work harder. Now, how do you harness this new energy to convince the government that funding the space program is important? And I, I asked this question because I noticed that the SGAC is one of the 40 organizations that have joined the uh, Don't Let Go Canada coalition. Right. Um, so that's uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty... Um uh, strong question, and I think uh, that in part there to harness that energy, but also the talent that's here and the pure talent from Canadians is for is to find parity between the intellectual capital the country has. So, for example, you train these individuals are being trained, whether or not by through competitions or directly through. Uh, programs such as the Canadian CUSA project, which is initiated and led by the Canadian Space Agency. But um, but when you ask yourselves, you know, what's what's at the bottom line of this chain, uh, you have these individuals that are being trained. Um, and we've seen um, some other very interesting paradigm shifts where in Canada, especially rocketry teams are and, and satellite design teams are not just engaging themselves in a way where they're picking up skills, but they also come across this crossroad at some point where when it comes to transitional um, questions, so how do I move from my training to workforce? And there's a gap there. Uh, there's obviously um, a lack of, you know, Chantal has touched up on this opportunity. Uh, and we see you know, the only kind of other options when you're faced at that point at that fork and you ask yourself, well, do I stay in Canada or do I leverage my, my what, what I've gained, what I've trained across these competitions, across these uh, extracurricular activities? Now, moving forward, it's more apparent. I think it's more easier for Canadian students to see that, hey, Europe is a more appealing option or New Zealand. There's a couple of people, in fact, that have um, been members and participated in the Canadian Solid Design Challenge and, and working at Rocket Lab, for instance, um, or, or a couple of them uh, are now working at ESA in, in different uh programs and fields and applications, but also the number of opportunities are simply way more appealing internationally than it is in Canada. And that's problematic because Canada does put in place, um, and I think most recent example is King and Cubesat Project, which is excellent. It does provide um, 
a training mechanism and it harnesses um, students to approach the basics of you know, satellite spacecraft engineering. And they're doing very interesting missions across Canada. And we have participants from each province and territory, which again, it encapsulates the national scope. Now, what I would position as a question is that now when they're done building their CubeSats and it's launched, what is there after for these individuals? Now that you've in, we have investor or the government has invested into what they call highly qualified personnel, well, these HQPs are at a point of where, you know, we will lose them if if it were not for the government to leverage what what only what not just what they incentivize to create in the first place by training them, but but it would also ensure that there's a mechanism in place that allows them to foster and to create innovation within Canada as opposed to finding uh, opportunities elsewhere. Now I would be even go, going as far as to say that if uh, funding in Canada was to align itself in a dedicated space program, or if, for example, a space strategy encapsulated um, the uh, posterity of the nation. So what's going to happen for us uh, over the next 10 years, 15 years, what's a long-term plan? Uh, what is something sustainable where, where we can engage intergenerational workforce? So when you kind of implement and ask these questions into your policymaking process, you really do end up... Uh, providing um, a launch pad here in Canada. Now that would be the motivation of why uh, the government should really harness and invest even more, more than just investment, they should, they should really cater to what's at the end of the line. Because I think we, we can talk as much about, you know, creating opportunities for training. And that too remains as much of an important question for the government to harness now that there is evidently capabilities that have come across from the CCC, but also Spaceport America Cup. That yes, Canadians are talented. These winning strikes shows that there's something here despite the constraints, despite the challenges, um, Canadians come on the top. Uh, but now, you know, for the government to kind of realize that, hey, we have these individuals that are being essentially ready to enter a workforce that is eventually you know, positioned to be a multi-trillion market space, uh, space market. So to me, it kind of always baffles me that in terms of priority um, and, and in terms of what the government kind of invest, you know, the uh, amount of STEM awareness and particularly engaging students into engineering or certain specific level of training with which with the Canadian CUSA project, it is very specific. It's catered especially to our spacecraft engineering. Now, uh, what baffles me is that uh, I'm sure it doesn't not cross your mind, but it has to be put into question that there's no transitional mechanisms. And that's problematic because that's what Canada has been doing for quite a long time is we've been um, breeding talent, exceptional talents, except they're only uh, they're only kind of polished to the point where we're ready to ship them off internationally towards Europe or elsewhere. So the, the kind of the onus would fall onto the government to ensure that, you know, there is a sizable portion of driving your Canadian economy. And we do, we have seen, for example, space bringing 5.5 billion in revenues um, from recent reports, um, just in terms of economics. But at the same time, we also know that we have everything 
from end-to-end -end systems across launcher vehicles technology to spacecraft engineering to optics and sensors and robotics, which are some of the areas we already have expertise in. So now that you do have a new generation that is also trained at a much more innovative method, I would say, rather than something tradi traditional through education and then something that's more sequential. Instead, we have like these competitions, so they're engaging way more and learning much more and having to interface, especially with the SJC, you know, with bringing the international element. So with all of that encapsulated, I think the reason isn't so much that the government question, you know, should we be investing? Is there something to be investing in Canada? The answer to all of that is yes, there's plenty to invest in Canada. It's that they have to realize that the bleeding of intellectual capital is ongoing, has been going for quite a while, and it's hurting. And it's an impediment that needs to be uh, resolved at the end of the chain, where what do you do when they're trained? What's next? And that's where there's deficiency. And I think the GOC can... Um, should consider that question even more so than the uh, should we find more mechanisms to train students, which, uh, you know, I think there should is a valid question. It should be there, uh, but equally valid than what do we do at the end of the line is also how do we ensure geographic, generational and gender diversity across Canada? So for example, if you have someone in one of the maritime provinces or someone that's in one of the uh, territories, for instance, uh, for them, opportunities to space is not very um, homogenous as it is across, let's say, Quebec and Ontario. So there's, again, this question of training um, students and, and we are seeing youth being more involved and energized. They're being energized in certain pockets in certain areas in Canada. So the government has to look, I think, multiple areas. Geographic is one of them, but also what we do at the end of the line. So I would summarize these two to be the big points for the GOC to invest and look into a lot. Zed, you're so thorough. <laughs> um, so I guess to add to that, I think the challenge is not just convincing the government that it's an important investment for Canada, but it's also convincing all Canadians. And it's sometimes really hard to do that because base is pretty hard to unpack in a way that's really simple and easy and straightforward to you know explain to someone why is space important? Because I think a lot of the benefits of space kind of seem indirect. Um, and so just kind of, if you make, if you make um, or you deliver the message that space is important for everybody because of all these, you know, spin-off benefits, and that's mentioned many of them. Um, and it's important to most Canadians, you know, the average Canadian. Then it has to be important to the government too. Um, it's everyone's space program, so I think we just have to kind of convey the message that, you know, we all have something to lose when we, you know, miss out on opportunities in space, and kind of make the connection between how space like has a positive impact on the average Canadian um, and why that's relevant. And I think that's, that's pretty challenging. Like I said, it's, it's a big thing to unpack. Okay. Let's move on to something that you're working on at this moment. Uh, and that's a new initiative uh, that you're doing at the Montreal Space Symposium, which is organizing a uh, separate panel track. So what can you tell me about the panel and its focus? Right. So so the panel tracks were um, initially conceived uh, to touch upon the themes at SJC in Canada, especially that we're looking 
forward to reinvigorate in terms of conversation, but also something that's very thematically relevant with current affairs. Um, so the scope of the panels were broadly divided into these three areas, um, one of which is looking at, especially with new space, the relationship between the government and the industry. So uh, the first track is called public-private infrastructure in Canada. And the use of the word infrastructure is not so much to kind of detract from the traditional public public-private partnerships, which we which we see and hear a lot of times, but it's referring more to the fact that in Canada there's no mechanisms, there's there's at least not a strong mechanisms dedicated for space where you ha you have the government engaging in a prominent manner, listening to various stakeholders. Now, of course, we do have the space advisory board, but beyond that point, um, engaging in a manner where they're able to solicit. Um, you know, various groups in terms of what are we doing, what kind of, what kind of technology development and benefits can we engage and provide to contribute to Canada, especially. And within that kind of line of thought is that um, now that we're seeing space becoming more diversified, becoming more than um, than just a matter of something that space agency previously dealt with in the past few decades. Uh, it's becoming way more open um, and. You know, Shalta has touched about the uh, question of accessibility. So there's this element where we also see a lot of youth um, in Canada, especially driven towards um, the the kind of notion that we would like to innovate and would like to do something and start in you know our own maybe small uh, venture to 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 do so. And, and so SMEs are quite central. They're very pivotal in other domains in Canada um, besides space. So AI is one that comes to my mind very quickly. Uh, this being said, um, there's also two other panels, which a uh, second panel is navigating Canadian uh, space landscape. And that one is to truly highlight the challenges, but also the what kind of opportunities Canadians have when it comes to having an opportunity in space and engaging with space in Canada. Um, and that's a conversation, again, when from, from an SGC standpoint is we do see Canadians who are more, let's say, closer to the um, Ontario, Quebec provinces have more um, resources and have a better way to gauge what's happening than let's say someone in Western or Central Canada or the Maritime provinces or including even their territories. Now for these individuals, you have to consider uh, costs like uh, airfare and accommodation just to engage with what kind of opportunities are there for me. So within that kind of panel, the notion of the 3G diversity platform, which stems from the International Astronautical Pla uh, Federation's um, uh, one of its objective and, and something that the SGC cemented further in spring 2018 um, to work together in fostering that um, 3G diversity platform. So we kind of um, thought that to bring and to encapsulate that, that vision into Canada would be as relevant and still uh, very much applicable because we're still seeing these challenges where, especially if you're addressing the question of why should um, the public slash the government of Canada care in space or investing in the youth and energize and harnessing that, you know, energy that you've mentioned in your previous question. Well, that's specifically why you need to ensure that there's geographic, generational and gender diversity. Uh, you cannot just 
convey a message by just people that are um, raising their voices from Ontario and Quebec. It does not send a Canadian message. Um, to make it truly pan-Canadian, you have to make make it rationed, rational. The rational should be there for why should someone, let's say, in a, uh, in a rural community and, and someone that is um, separated and completely siloed from all the space uh, affairs and what's happening. Now, how would it mean for them to engage and what benefits and returns do they bring, whether it's to their local community or to themselves and how they propagate these benefits further. Um, and, and the final panel, which is, you know, very thematically still important is how to ensure and how to align Canada um, with international par partners for the advancement of space exploration. Um, and that one is a kind of a particular big one because we've seen, of course, a lot of conversations with the Gateway, um, which uh, many prominent members, JAXA, ESA, have both politically and economically committed to that. Um, and, and that lack of political and economic commitment so far from the government of Canada and, and for all of it to also fall on deaf ears where, uh, you know, Gateway is not going to be a one-year, five-year project. It's going to be a long-term um, sustainable project where we're sending human beings to Mars and eventually further on as a launch pad to Mars. Now, that's many, many years into moving forward. So to encapsulate why should Canada care, you really do need to make it intergenerational. You really do need to encapsulate um, your audience today, your audience of two years from now. And by audience, we're referring, of course, more to the students and young professionals. Um, but also at the same time, Canada has had the ability to, for example, commit um, to very early concept uh, studies or phase zero studies. Uh, a recent example that comes to mind is W first mission. Uh, which uh, was one of the highlight of a decadal survey that was conducted by um, uh, NASA and the National uh, uh, Research Science Council in the U.S. So uh, when that came on the top of the list and moving forward with international partners, when NASA kind of probed, well, who's going to be doing what? Optics and sensors and instrumentations is something Canada has always excelled in. We've even one of the primary instruments uh, on James Webb Telescope is uh, contributed from Canada. Now, when it was time to officially set foot and move forward with the project, um, due to the lack of funding, there simply was no way for us to go forward and we had to retract. Now, this really is a bit of a contrast in, in terms of how strong the space astronomy community is. and the, But it also contrasts in a way very weirdly when I think about it, is how there's a lot of focus. Um, the budget 2018 put also a lot of focus on science and investment in science. Yet it seems somehow that there's no parity between science and space, which is quite odd to me. Clearly, um, when you're considering the input of uh, the academics involved in planetary science, space astronomy, et cetera, um, to what Canada is contributing in general in terms of scientific literature to versus our ability to not be ready to commit financially when the Dublin First Mission is ready to be greenlit and we have to be let go of it. It's something that's really um, definitely dangerous in the long run, considering uh, there's an upcoming decadal survey coming up. And again, there's going to be a list of priorities that the scientific community is going to identify. So really the whole two tracks are embedded with the message of you know where we are right now, what kind of geographic, gender, generational um, composition we're looking at, the Canadian space sector, and especially for the youth, how do we leverage 
their um, training today into what's coming ahead, whether it's the gateway or other um, big projects or flagship missions, and how do you do so in a manner that you do not lose on the intellectual capital, but you also ensure that a long-term sustainable strategy is put in place that ensures that the youth has their voices heard and included because you cannot make a space strategy or any long-term strategy if you do not have the means to understand 10, 15, 20 years from now, how do we ensure continuity and something that's more robust in terms of infrastructure in Canada for space? So that's my take on how the panels came into being. Now, of course, Shantan uh, and I worked on it together. So I'd love to see her complement uh, some of the points that I brought forward. Yeah, I think you explained it very well. Um, so, but Zed's been leading the charge on this and I've been helping him develop the discussion tracks and the questions that will be asked. And I think while we were doing that, we kind of thought about how do we kind of form a program that's going to be both informative and empowering for, you know, the attendees who are mostly going to be students. So that's how we kind of came to the conclusion of selecting these topics and, um, you know, having kind of like a spread. So we kind of talk about what's happening within Canada kind of domestically. We have a panel that kind of talks a bit about the international uh, level of things and also just like navigating your way through the, you know, space environment in Canada. Um, I think these are all really relevant things and important things for young people, you know, here to know about and have a chance to engage with. Never, very briefly, kind of want to add to that is that um, we both kind of saw that this conversation has to have like and has to have more mobility. So um, it's while it is a, a panels and discussion tracks at Montreal Space Symposium, it is certainly a conversation that will move across Canada. And we uh, do want to, again, as I mentioned before, it's very important for us to engage more Canadians because at the end of the day, as what SCAC does is at an international level, we have the ability to create policy briefs and present them, for example, at UN COPUS and other high-level international organizations. So the idea here is to rally and, and have more Canadians involved, but also have them more engaged in policy advocacy in Canada and to ensure that the for the government, especially when you're thinking space strategy, they have in, in their head pictured exactly what um, intellectual capital is here in Canada and how they're being vocalized. And that really is an important consideration as well. Um, so the Montreal Space Symposium is certainly a launch pad, but it's not the um, the conversation does not stop there. All right. So um, do you have any other initiatives planned in Canada uh, in the near term? Right. Um, so in, in the near term, we're moving to the um, Canadian Space Summit. There's the next generation uh, panel that's going to be chaired there. Um, but uh, kind of broadly speaking, within a year and a half time frame, we're looking at an SG Canada event. Now, it seems like an additional supplementary event to already maybe far too many space events, but the SG Canada event will be dedicated more um, to be focused on not just students, but also young Canadian professionals. And the idea is to rally um, members from government, industry, and academia to be to be engaging in some sort of high-level forum where we hope to produce some kind of output and that output to have some ability to and scope to be presented at a ministerial level. So that's the short-term or rather one-year plan is an SG Canada event specific to Canada. Um, and in some way, hopefully uh, leverage that uh, 
success, hopefully, to to collaborate with other regional North American events. So we really want to highlight um, this uh, here in Canada, but also build up the international elements and strengthen that with the, or complement it with the Canadian event. Now, how can people who are interested in the SGAC in Canada get more information? Uh yeah, well, um, I can answer part of it. Uh, Chantal, I would love to see uh, her compliment the answer. Is uh, one way is to really reach out uh, to uh, whether you know to, for example, to, to our website, spacegeneration.org. There's a um, couple of information there. But as a natural point of contact, um, it's also important that they can reach out to me, and I can help them connect. Uh, to different communities, whether it's in the same city, province, or across uh, another province. And um, it's, it's to really engage um, more to in however you can, where you are, um, but while encapsulating the notions and mandates of the SGAC. And in, in Canada, our focus is a lot more on the advocacy and, and the strengthening and developing of space programs. So it would really be to um, uh, connect with me connect with Shonda, connect with um, uh, network with people that they may know um, that might be familiar with SJC. But and if they're not, then that's something we we will look forward to broaden the message and the appeal so they know who, what the SJC is. Uh, and getting involved is in- incredibly critical. You don't need to be. Um, you can do advocacy from wherever you are, um, and you, we can all share the common language of what is it that we're trying to get out of it. So as long as we all understand the common principles and visions we're working on within Canada. Um, I don't know, what do you think, uh, Shalda, if you have more to add to that? Yeah, there's a couple of different ways to get involved with SJC as well. So I think the best and easiest way is to um, attend one of the events. So the one in Montreal coming up is a good one. Um, And there's also a few in the States. So the Fusion Forum in Colorado, that's usually in April. SGX is in March. And then next year in 2019, uh, the Space Generation Congress will be in Washington, D.C. And because that's sometimes not possible to attend an event in person, um, there's lots of volunteer opportunities on our website. So we have vacancies available regularly for different teams, it's like the media and comms team. We have web editing team. We have project teams. Um, so that's always an option too. And then we also have year-round project groups, and these kind of focus on different areas. So we have a space exploration project group. Uh, they have things like analog missions um, that are planned with other young people from around the world. Uh, space law group, small sat group. Uh, I think there's about eight groups right now. So there's kind of like something for everyone. Um, so getting in t- touch with the project group is another good way to get involved. Okay. Well, thank you both for being on the show today. Um, I think it's uh, uh, it's a uh, great to have the SGAC more active in Canada. Uh, we'll include on our website uh, uh, links to the various. Uh, uh, website and uh, and maybe your email addresses as well, so people know how to get a hold of you. And uh, hopefully, we get you on the show again uh, in the future. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having us, and uh, more than happy to talk and elaborate about SGC's activity and growth in Canada. Well, that's a wrap on this episode of the Space Cube Podcast. If you like this show, please support us on Patreon. The address is patreon.com slash spaceq. We really appreciate feedback, and to help us, we ask you consider to write a review on Apple Podcast or Google Play Music if you're so inclined. If you have any comments on this episode, you can email me at 
podcast at spaceq.ca, or you can post them on our website at spaceq.ca, where you'll find an archive of each episode. If you send me a comment by email, I'll write back to you as soon as I can. On Twitter, you can follow us at Canada in Space. And if you use Facebook, you can find all our articles and links to the podcast on our page, The Space Q. If you like the show, please subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app.